Welcome into Muskie's Talk. Today is Friday, February 24th, 2023. And I'm your host, John Baldridge, and this is produced by the Xavier Newswire. Alex Beernett has the week off, so right in solo this afternoon, but we got a lot to get with you on this Friday as we'll dive into Xavier basketball as they get set for a big matchup tonight on the road, coming off a loss on Tuesday, which was a struggle inside the Centos Center at home. We'll break that down. We'll take a look at FC Cincinnati as they get their season started on Saturday when they're at home on the west side at TQL Stadium as they'll take on FC Houston. So we'll be looking forward to that at 7.30 on the pitch tomorrow night. Also, we'll take a look at the Reds as they get their first spring training game at home at Goodyear Park tomorrow at 3.05. So we have a lot coming on the show today, and we'll get it started with the main team everybody wants to know about around here right here at Victory Parkway in the Xavier Musketeers. And it's been a struggle late for Xavier to close out ball games, to find a way to win. And there's a lot of questions. Is this team the team of last year? A team that started hot and lost seven of their last nine games in Biggie's regular season, which really cost chances for them to have any chance to make the NCAA tournament. And because so, they were left out, went on to win the NIT. But this team isn't that team from last year. And yes, we haven't been able to close out games against Villanova, against Marquette, against Butler, against Indiana, and even a game up in Portland, Oregon against Gonzaga. The Musketeers sit in 20-8 on the year. They've lost the three out of the last four. But this team is injured. This team is banged up. This team doesn't have Zach Fremantle, who's had 15-20 points a game every time he's out there earlier on this season. And yes, Fremantle wasn't the player he was his junior year last season. But this year he's came out and been a stud. And yes, Jerome Hunter has stepped up and played his spot. Jack Nungy has played well inside also. But without Fremantle, it's a big loss. Cam Kraft, who on Tuesday night played in the ball game, but hadn't practiced, hadn't played in two games, hadn't practiced in eight days. So he wasn't a full go. Kiki Candy wasn't ready in that ball game. A guy who had a you know, rocky season, but a guy that you need out there is extra depth to your bench. And a banged-up team right now also without Cam Kraft. And just Sean Miller's comments after the game to the press was, hey, we're banged up. You know, Jack Jerome Hunter picked up two fouls in the first half who had a good ball game, 14 points. He was an enforcer inside. But when you don't have much depth, you're going to have to go with guy that has two fouls. You're going to have to rely on guys that you don't always want to rely on. And that's what the Musketeers have been doing of late. And they've been hanging in ball games. They've been hanging in games with Villanova, hanging in games with Marquette, hanging in games with Butler. And maybe Musketeers should go out there and Xavier should blow them out. And, but they haven't been doing that. But the matter of fact is that you're in these ball games. You're in them late. You have chances. You out-rebound. Villanova on Tuesday night by eight rebounds. In the second half, the Musketeers, though, they went from 50, 50% shooting from the field down to 39% in the second half. A huge clip. You're talking about a chance from 40% from the three-point three arc all the way down to 25%. This team isn't putting two Full good halves of basketball together. Hasn't put 40 minutes of basketball clean out there. And that first, second half on Tuesday night when the Musketeers struggled looked like the first half when they struggled at Butler two weeks ago. It's looking like a team that is tired, 
doesn't have the, the bodies, doesn't have the death to be able to contend and to be able to fight for 40 minutes and win basketball games. And you go out and get good grad players like Sole Boom, Jerome Hunter, who wasn't anything but just a backup player last year, has stepped up to be a fan favorite. He can't do it all. You need Fremantle back out there. You need Jack Nungy to be able to, to stop guys on the inside when he's playing defense. Adam Kunkel, who's been consistent as a musketeer for his four years here, had a chance late, and, and calls don't always go your way. The referees, you don't want them to decide a game. Sometimes the calls go your way. Sometimes they don't. And there's a chance with Kunkel driving in with a couple minutes to go, looks like he might have got fouled. They called a travel instead. Ball went back to Villanova. They get a bucket late. They were able to knock down some free throws and win the basketball game. Villanova shot six for six, 100% from the line in the second half. A team that went out there and just took it. Took it to the Musketeers. Took it to Sean Miller. Another chance for Xavier in the last seconds with Soleil Boom, a guy who's not been with Xavier for a long time but has played his fifth year in college basketball, had a chance late to win the basketball game, driving in with a couple seconds to go, didn't get a shot on rim. And it's been consistent that Xavier hasn't been able to win the ball game in the last seconds. And I mentioned the games and I mentioned the chances they had this year. And when you have a chance late – Maybe you struggle for 40 minutes of basketball. But a good team goes out there and wins a game late and makes the shot. And the same thing last year we saw with guys like Nate Johnson, Paul Scruggs, a team that lost seven out of the last nine games, as I mentioned, in the regular season, which cost their chances to make the NCAA tournament. And because of that, they didn't. And I don't think that's the story this year. We're banged up. We're injured. Everybody understands that. But you got to close out late games. And you have another chance tonight against a Seton Hall team up in Newark, a team that you saw earlier this year, and you won the ball game, 73-70. So Musketeers, yes, they've had games where they couldn't close them out. But they've had games where they also been too, have, have been too, where against Cincinnati earlier this year in the Crosstown shootout. They almost gave it away. They were able to hang on. Same thing with Seton Hall. The Musketeers were able to win it late against Marquette at home earlier this year, 80-76. You saw a close win at home against Creighton earlier this year back in January. And the game I go back to and look at the most and said this is the game the Musketeers look like a team that can contend for not just a Big East tournament, not just to be in the NSA tournament, but a team that can contend for the NSA tournament, a game back on February 1st where they beat Providence in overtime. They beat Providence 85-83. It was a game back and forth. The Musketeers took it, and they showed you why they belong on the floor. And they'll get Providence here coming next week down there in their place, a struggling place where they went last year and played in three overtimes. It's always a tough place to go go up to Rhode Island and play in that game. But you have a chance right now with three games left, say you lost your last three of four, a banged-up team, a chance to go on the road tonight at 7 o'clock and say, hey, we belong. We belong not just for a Big East regular season title, which they're not going to get now, a Big East tournament title, which it's going to be tough to get with the injuries they have, but for a team that can say, if we can win out right now, get our guys back, 
Get Fremantle back. Get Desmond Claude back. Get Kiki Tandy back. Get these guys back healthy. And play good basketball. And you have a chance to put an in-state tournament run together. And it's going to happen with building on to these next three games. And yes, these three next, ga- next three games aren't win or go home games. But they're games right now you're talking about, which Alex pointed on last week, is a team last year that lost in the regular season, didn't make the NCAA tournament, they went to the NIT and put a run together without Paul Scruggs, a team that was down their best player last year, but they still went out there and played good basketball and put a run together and beat Texas A&M to win the NIT tournament. And if you can build some confidence without your best player, without your leading score, excuse me, your second leading scorer right now, get Desmond Claude back healthy, get Cam Craft back healthy, get Kiki Tandy back healthy, and put a run together to the NCAA tournament, this team will build confidence to these next three games, build confidence to the Big East tournament, get everybody back, and wherever you get your seed, wherever you end up playing in the NCAA tournament in that first round and building on for there, and have to win six games. This team hasn't been able to put wins together on a consistent basis. Yes, they won 11 or tw- 11 and 12 games in a row. But ever since then, it's been a struggle. And we always knew, and I always knew, we talked about it with Alex last week. We've been talking about it every single week with him. We had guests on the show too. This team is due for a loss at some time. And right now they're going through that stretch. Right now they're going through a loss stretch where they're losing and can't find a way to close out games. And they have a chance tonight on the road against the Pirates and win the game on the road, beat Seton Hall. And if they can do that, start there, then you can build on the next game. But you got to get a win first. And if you can't do that, then you can't start thinking about the future. But if we can get some wins now, get our guys back healthy, the promise is great. I mean, you look at the, the upcoming class they have coming in for next year, it's very promising. You look at what Sean Miller's put together only in really what it's been about six or seven months he's been here, and he's already done a great job with this program. So the Musketeers, a big game tonight. Keep an eye on it. We'll have all our talk next week as we'll dive in, take a look at that. They get Providence also next Wednesday on March 1st at 6.30 on the road. We mentioned that a three-overtime loss last, last year up there in Rhode Island. So that should be a good game. Twenty Musketeers sit at 20-8 on the year, trying to get out of the slide right now, sit at 12-5 in conference play, and have a big game tonight. Tip time for that at Seton Hall is set for 7 o'clock. You can catch that one on Fox Sports 1 and on WLW. So we'll be excited for that one. We'll be tuned in as the Musketeers and the Pirates get after it. Later not. I want to dive over, though, to FC Cincinnati as they start their season tomorrow night down at TQL Stadium, the first home game of 17 of them this year. When you look at MLS soccer, when you look at soccer, maybe you haven't been a fan of it. Maybe you've just been a fan of it for a little while with Cincinnati getting a team, moving to the MLS. And when you look at the schedule, you say, hey, when will, I want to bring the family out to a game. I want to go with my buddies out to a game. I want to take my girlfriend out to a game. Whatever it might be, there's, it's a long season. It is a long season for Chris Albright, their general manager, Pat Noonan, the head coach, to keep their guys healthy. 
You start your first game tomorrow, February 25th, and they don't finish up till October. And a new playoff format, which is a best of three for a first-round series in November, which will be the playoffs for the MLS. So it is a long toll on to keep these guys healthy. And, the must, and luckily for FC Cincinnati, they bring back a lot of good players from last year. Brandon Vasquez, they bring back Acosta, Renner. They got some really big names on this team, a team that went to the second round of the MLS playoffs last year and weren't satisfied with that. Uh, her, I was listening to Pat Noonan earlier this week, the head coach of FC Cincinnati, and he, you know that wasn't the goal. The goal is to win the thing. And they have a, a good team they're bringing back this year for the 2023 campaign and a chance to do that and a chance tomorrow night against a Houston team who, who FC Cincinnati saw earlier last year in July. And it's a whole different team for Houston. Not one player back on FC Houston that was on the team last year. So it's going to be a big crowd there tomorrow night expecting a sellout for a 7.30 game and something also to pass along for FC Cincinnati for trying to catch the games. They're not on Star 64 anymore. They're over on Apple TV. So they'll have an Apple TV fee you can have to pay to get all the games. You can catch all the MLS games. I think it's about $12 a month. First game is free, though, so if you're on there tomorrow night want to check it out, you can catch FC Cincinnati if you can't make it down to TQL Stadium. And also on 1360 tomorrow night in Cincinnati with Tommy G on the call. So we looking forward to that. They were down in Florida getting their training in, and everything was promising down there. Kept all their players healthy, a team that I mentioned, had a very good run last year, had a slow start last year, didn't start putting wins together, only came off four wins back in 2021 in their first season. And the MLS came back last year, started slow, were able to trickle, trickle, trickle back into playoff contention, start winning games, and they were able at the end of the season and the regular season to pull out wins, which helped the team get into the playoffs, beat New York, were able to win that game, went to the one-seed Philly for the second round and lost 2-1. to one. It was a tough break up there in Philly uh, in late November, but a couple months later, you're back here for a game tomorrow night trying to get it all restarted for the 2023 season. And FC Cincinnati under Pat Noonan trying to get this thing, get this ship rolling tomorrow night, and it should be exciting. As I mentioned, a big crowd expected on hand. Over to the Reds real quick, and it's an interesting story. I mean, with FC Cincinnati being so good, the question is, will the Reds be able to contend for the viewership? The local fans that want to go out to the games, people that want to come into the city down from Columbus, down from Cleveland, down from Louisville, from Lexington, Indianapolis, that want to come out and watch either a soccer game or a baseball game. And a team, as myself, being 21 years old, a person under 30 hasn't seen a Reds win a, win a World Series, but heck, how about just win a playoff series? And it's been a struggle for them to do that. And the ownership isn't giving them money, isn't giving them a chance, doesn't really feel like they're giving you, as a fan, a team to want to buy into. A, a struggling market, and yes, there's, we talk about it a lot on this show, there's probably... 
five, ten teams in Major League Baseball where you say they have a chance to win it every single year. That's where the money is. There's no salary cap in baseball. There's no luxury cap in baseball. So you can go out there and pay for how much, whatever much you want to spend on a player. And the Reds don't do that. Yes, they've seen it with Joey Votto in the past, the guy who will be 40, and it's disappointing he's never been on a playoff contending team. And yes, he could sink ship, go somewhere else, and find himself a World Series championship, but he's never done that in his long 15-year career with the Reds. And he sits in his last season on the last year of his contract, a team that hasn't built anything around him to show any chance in the last 10 years since really 2013, a team that was going out there to win. And you can't blame it on Nick Kroll. You can't blame it on David Bell. You can't blame it on the players. What you blame it on is two things. Yes, you want to blame ownership. You always want to blame ownership here in Cincinnati because we don't spend the money. We don't go out and get the best players. We don't go out and say, this is the guy. He's the best guy in the market, and we're going to take him. And you should. You should have the right to blame Bob Castellini, Phil Castellini. And yes, even Nick Crawl to a standpoint that he's sitting there and letting, letting this all happen. It takes a lot of money to become a general manager. You bring a lot of money in as a general manager. And it's hard not just to keep that money when you have an easy job sitting up there on a hay stool and saying this is what we got. But the problem is that the Reds, we sit today and they haven't built anything around Joey Votto, built anything for the future. The prospects is the second thing. They haven't brought guys up through the organization, and it's hard to get them to stick around. But you haven't seen anybody in the last 10 years come out through the organization has been really good. The Reds have had chances with Estides Aquino. Had a great year in 2019 for about a month. Fell apart. Nick Senzel hasn't worked out. Jonathan India, who's been the second baseman, won the Rookie of the Year. Down here last year. Robin, Robert Stevenson can't stay healthy. They've had pitchers in the past they've kept. Some of them have been turned out okay. A lot of them have walked out the door because they've gotten pretty good. But they have a lot of guys that haven't also been what you expected out of them. This team, building for the future has been a struggle. This team, besides a couple names that we always want to mention, the Jay Bruce's, the Brandon Phillips, the Joey Votto's, bringing in a guy like Scott Rowland when, later in his career, which is a big ad, you brought some decent shortstops up through Zach Cozart. You've had guys in the past that, yes, Kyle Farmer was a good player here. You've seen the Sinsu Chus, the Billy Hamiltons that have came in and played roles in the outfield for this team. They've had good pitchers like Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. You want to name them. The problem is you can't keep guys around, and they have been struggling making guys good prospects through the Reds' farm system and bringing them up to be great players right away when they have the chance to be on the Reds' ball club. And that's why we're talking about a 62-win season last year. That's why we're talking about when, when training camp hits for the Bengals in July, that's the thing we're caring about. You think New York's talking about that? You think Boston's talking about that? You think San Francisco's talking about that? They're not. It's because, yes, the ownership's spending money, but the farm system's working good too.
So as we get back to this point, the Reds are a month away. And the question for myself is, how long am I interested in for it? How long, or am I even interested at all that the Reds are playing, that baseball's backed? For me, yes. Spring trainings brings excitement, brings that horizons in the air. You're, you're getting closer. You're trickling around the corner. And here on March 31st, you have baseball again. But how long am I, how long am I excited for it? A month? Two? Till training camp? I wish it was longer. I wish I could tell you in August and September, we're playing for postseason baseball. We're playing for a championship title. We're playing for the pennant. We're playing to win the World Series. That just hasn't been the case here in Cincinnati. It hasn't been the case since 1990s. I mean, we talk about the greats, the Reds franchise built back in 1869, a franchise that was built on never moving because of all these great players, the Pete Roses, the Joe Morgans, the Tony Perez, the Frank Robinson, the Johnny Benches. There hasn't been that. Yes, I would love to see Joey Votto as to see him in the Hall of Fame, to see his name retired at Great American Ballpark. And I think there's a very good chance that might be. But when he's gone next year, what brings you to the ballpark besides the guy at first base? What brings your optimism back into the ballpark? Besides going out there for a, a sunny day in June or July, when do we have postseason baseball in Cincinnati? The questions to be left unanswered, and I would love to know what you think. It's going to be interesting, though. we got a lot going on here in Cincinnati. Xavier's in a hunt right now. The March Madness is right around here a couple weeks away. It's going to be interesting to see if Xavier can be able to fight, contend, and put six wins together. A team that I question it. I question if Xavier can be able to consistently fight for three weekends and win six games in a row. I don't know if they can do it. I mean, you look at top, the top 25 teams in college basketball right now, I don't know who's going to win it. I mean, you talk about Kentucky, they just, beat ten, they just beat Tennessee. Tennessee the week before beat Alabama. Alabama struggles last night. And, yes, there's been questions about the Crimson Tides with questions about this whole scandal. And I don't know if you heard anything about it with Brandon Miller. He was supposedly in – some law trouble with the Alabama police down there. He handed a, used, gave his gun to one of the Alabama players, and one of those players went out and shot a woman down there in Tuscaloosa. And it's interesting to see this whole scandal is really something to keep eye on to see how this shakes out for the Alabama basketball team. Brandon Miller last night went out, on Wednesday night, excuse me, went out against South Carolina and had 41 points. It's really something to see that this team that 
right now sits at 24 and 4 on the season. A team that's number two in the country, a question with their best player. And another guy that was played in the game on Wednesday is supposedly was at the shooting. The shooting happened a week before the South Carolina game on Wednesday to see how this thing all shakes out. But we get back to it in the top 25 AP poll. Houston's up and down. I mean, they just struggled with UC. I don't know about Mick Cronin's team in UCLA. Kansas has been back and forth, one of the big blue bloods. They're number three in the country. That's another question. I mean, how many teams can you really buy into right now in college basketball? There's a lot of good teams out there, but a lot of teams that are up and down. And as we get to March and we get closer and closer to March Madness, it's sure a question to be seen how this will shake out for the Musketeers, where they will land with their seeding, and if they can land a good seed, it's looking like it's going to be a 4-5, but if they keep losing, losing to a quad three team on Tuesday night, which will hurt the Musketeers going into the next week's AP poll to see where that shakes out for the Musketeers. But if they could find a way to have a game in Columbus, the game in Louisville, in the, if they could get to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, which would really help the Musketeers have some of that home audience close to home here in Cincinnati, and bring some of those fans down or up to wherever they might be would be great to see for the Xavier. But right now, as we sit here today, three games left on the season. Got to get a win tonight. Got to get a win tonight. I mean, we, we talk about this game against Seton Hall, a team that you won earlier on this season, a team that will have more players than the Musketeers tonight a team that Xavier has been banged up, as we mentioned, to start the show. Going to only go about seven or, eight ga- seven or eight guys tonight. Can they find a way, though, to win this basketball game? And if it comes down to the end, if it comes down to the last seconds, can Xavier find a guy to make that winning shot? Can they find a way to pull it out late? It's sure going to be interesting. We'll take a look over now at the Bengals as they're in full off-season mode now. They have a couple injuries going into the off-season. Jonah Williams, jo- Joso Osai are the big ones uh, right now. Also, you saw injuries to finish the year with right guard and Alex Kappa and also in right tackle and Ladale Collins. Collins, who they really front-loaded that contract. It was a four-year deal. They really put a lot of money on that first year. So they have an option if they want to let him go right now. And that's a question to be up in the air. There's been questions about, will the Bengals release Joe Mixon? Will the Bengals trade T. Higgins? I don't think it's going to happen. T. Higgins is too big of a piece to to this team right now, a team that's still... Yes, Joe Burrow has talked about the window for a Super Bowl is his whole career. But I believe that window is short and slim right now. You have guys like Tyler Boyd, who's still with this team. His contract's up after next year. It's going to be interesting to see how they want to play it. Another free agent is Jermaine Pratt. Logan Wilson's contract's up after next season. So with those two big linebackers, who do you want to pay? Who would you like to have here? Logan Wilson's a great tackler. Jermaine Pratt 
makes big plays too. Can you afford both? Which one do you want more? For me, I, I think you have to go Logan Wilson. He's younger. I mean, Jermaine Pratt's a great player, but you got to go with the young guy. Samaj P. Ryan's a free agent right now. I mean, they don't have a tight end. Hayden Hurst's a free agent. They also, Drew Sample's a free agent. Devin Ossie Ossie's a free agent. Mitchell Wilcox is a free agent. So your four tight ends are all free agents. Who are you going to go out and get? Who do you want to keep? I mean, you have a long time. It's a long offseason. Don't play till September. Don't have training camp until July. Free agency starts here on March 15th, and the Bengals were right away very active, right away that first couple hours to go out and get Alex Kappa and Ted Karras last offseason. Will the Bengals make a move right away in free agency, or will they wait? Will they wait till a couple weeks in to see what happens? Will they re-sign their guys before free agency? Will they know how they want to play it right away? Or they will they see who comes off the board and see who's left? I have to say one of my favorite things in sports, one of my favorite days in sports is free agency. As a big Twitter guy myself, looking there to see all the updates from Rappaport to Schefter and to see who goes and who stays and is always interesting or who's still on the board. And the Bengals did a very good job last year and fans buy in, buy their season tickets buy into this team, believe in this team because of free agency. The draft's another big story in late April. Can the Bengals be able to draft well again like they've done the last two or three years and build around a roster that already has a strong core and keep it even more promising for the years to come? I'm super excited with the Bengals, where we are right now. I'm super excited for FC Cincinnati as they start tomorrow night. I'm excited to get the Xavier game tonight. I'm excited to see if once they get this team back. I don't think this is a team that's built for the Big East regular season with the injuries they have right now. I don't think they're going to win the Big East tournament. But I do think once they get Fremantle back, if that's the NCAA tournament, and hopefully it is, and hopefully Desmond Claude's stronger, looking better out there than he did on Tuesday night coming off his first game without practicing or playing in eight days. The same thing, hope you get Cam Kraft back soon, Kiki Candy back soon. If you can be able to get your guys back, I think this is a team that can get to the Sweet 16, get to the Elite Eight in March Madness and see what happens from there. And for the Reds, I'm excited for the spring. I'm excited to see these games get started. It's going to be exciting times in March as we get closer and closer to opening day. But... As again, I said, I, I don't know how long they're going to keep it exciting for us. I don't know if it's going to be a 3-30 and 30 start or they're going to start 16-14. I'm just hoping that by June, by June it'd be great to have a chance for some postseason baseball here in Cincinnati. Can't make any promises for the Reds. The ownership hasn't gave us any promises besides saying that Money is not equal in baseball. It's maybe not equal, but the Reds got to get go out and use that farm system well, and they haven't done it. But a chance on March 31st, a chance tomorrow in spring training to get everything rolling for that team and get everything going here in Cincinnati. We thank you for listening again this week. 
We appreciate you doing so. It's been an honor to be back on the air with you here on Muskie's Talk on the Xavier Newswire, talking all things local Cincinnati sports. And it's been a busy time here at Xavier with basketball in full swing. The baseball team just got started as they were down in Louisville this week for a game on Wednesday where they lost. They lost their first four games, got swept out in Oregon. They're down in Western Carolina this weekend trying to get their first win of the year. So that's exciting for spring. The cross team's in action here at Xavier as well as also with the women's basketball team. They have their Big East tournament next weekend on the up there in Connecticut. So that should be exciting for the women's team under Mel Moore. So hopefully they can find a way to get their first. They've had a struggling year. Hopefully they can get their first Big East regular season win. They're at home on Saturday trying to do that. So little sports going on here at Xavier as well here in Cincinnati. We appreciate you listening again. And I'm John Baldridge. That's going to wrap it up for this week's presentation here on Muskie's Talk. And we'll hear from you. We'll talk with you next week as we talk some more local Cincinnati sports news and sports and everything going on. Alex Spearnett will be back with us next week. I'm John Baldridge signing off. Have a good week, everybody. Take care.